This is Tom Harvey, the Economy Guy. Welcome to the world of macroeconomics and how it affects you. I am looking at the world's economics, trying to interpret them, and more importantly, wondering where they are going and what they are going to do to us in particular. So this is your window into that world. I don't give any personal financial advice. I just give information and facts as I see them, and occasionally my opinions. I want this to be an educational show for you, so you can learn to think for yourself and make your own great financial decisions. Please enjoy it, and welcome. It is Sunday, March 30th, and this is The Economy Guy coming to you on this Memorial Weekend. Hope everyone's enjoying themselves. Uh, go out, have a good party. Remember what this weekend's all about. Please do. I have uh, five segments for you today, which are uh, pretty good. I'm going to uh, wrap up what's happened in Europe. A lot going on in Europe, so let's start with that one. Then I'll wrap up the markets. After that, second segment, third segment, I think I'll talk about a few tidbits, kind of fun little things that are out there. Fourth segment, let's talk about the U.S. dollar. I'm going to go in-depth on the U.S. dollar and even make a prediction of where possibly the U.S. dollar is going in the future and or, you know, and why. So I'll give you food for thought. And fifth and last segment is our six precursors for a market crash. See what's changed in this last week. With that... Let's move right on to segment one. And on to the first segment. Let's talk about Europe a little bit. This is fun. This is an, a, a kind of a serious one that as far as I'm concerned. There was a, uh, a Ryanair jet that was going between Greece and Vilnius. And uh, it was... Uh, God, nationally hijacked. What do you want to call it? The It flew over Belarus on the way of its flight. Belarus sent up a fighter jet and forced it that airplane to land in Belarus. Then uh, some police came on board and arrested a, a dissident journalist who was anti-Belarusian, uh, you know, and not, not liked at all, which was the purpose of forcing the plane down. And uh, some other people got off the plane, probably KGB types, uh, who were watching all this and making it happen. And uh, then the plane went on for its journey. Now, this has major repercussions. I mean, when you're flying in an air, in a jet from A to B, you don't expect a bit that uh, it's going to be forced down at all. Uh, I happen to know a lot about air traffic control and international law of air traffic control. This was uh, way out of bounds and way against the law. Nothing illegal was being done, and there, there was no reason or right that Be uh, uh, Belarus had for bringing that plane down. So the EU knows that, too. The EU has said they're going to sanction Belarus, but really the EU are a bunch of uh, weak-toothed people. They can't do anything if they wanted to do it, even if they knew how to do it. Uh, but they're going to sanction them. So you see what happens is there's a big gas line that's coming from Russia to Europe where they get all their natural gas, and it goes through Belarus. And uh, so they can't really do much against Belarus. They'll just shut it off. Everybody will freeze. Of course, they'll wait till the wintertime. So, so, so be it. Uh, 
So you uh, going to say they're going to sanction things, but in reality, nothing will happen. That's my opinion of what's going on. But it was a very serious event. Of just I can't um, over uh, stress how serious this event is. What if other countries started to do this when they didn't like somebody flying in an airplane over their territory? Uh, it hasn't happened. Uh, let's let's see what happened. The future holds. Okay, moving right along. Let's say about Italy. Italy's kind of interesting place. You know, the uh, most popular guy in Italy was a guy named Salvini, and uh, the, in the last election he had enough that he decided he would join the government. And so now that uh, he's part of the government and COVID is now spreading on him, and Italians are very unhappy with the way COVID is being handled, his uh, numbers are going down. That's very interesting. And at the same time, there's a new party. A new, there's a new party in town. There's a new party in Italy that's coming up from nothing. And it's headed by a woman. Her name is Georgia. Maloney, and she started a party called the Brothers of Italy. I'm sure that's pronounced differently in Italian, and uh, which is a right-wing party, which I find fascinating. It's a right-wing party, and she is now well ahead of Salvini in popularity. In fact, she's the second most popular person in Italy, politician, that's going on right now. Now, put this in perspective, they're can be an election in Italy anytime from the beginning of next year through 2023. It's variable be, depending on events in Italy. They can call an election or not call an election. But that's the period that an election could occur. And uh, so, so all of a sudden, here is a, a very right-wing party rising from the ashes, or not, or not even ashes, it's just rising, a phoenix reigniting here. Fascinating. And now let's move over to France from Italy. And uh, remember last week I was saying that uh, Marine Le Pen and her party was, uh, she was doing very well against the President Macron. Well, there's the latest polls that have come out, so let's keep you up to date. Right now, Marine Le Pen is polling positively with 29% of the population and uh, Macron, President Macron, is 27%. So she has polled ahead in the polls. That should make uh, Macron very, very nervous. Now, here's what I find fascinating. She is a very right-wing party, the head of a right-wing party, that is in a good position to uh, do well in national election, to actually be able to run a government. And in Italy, the strongest candidate now for an election, even though it would be further off, possibly, is a woman and she is also heading a very right-wing party. That's Italy and France. Fascinating. I mean, what? I mean, before I thought it was Hungary and Poland were the right-wingers in Europe. But no, right-wing is a gaining popularity. Interesting phenomenon to look at. In the UK, uh, Boris Johnson is leading the Tory party, which is leans a little bit to the right, not much, but I don't consider him a right-winger at all. I consider him a left-winger in sheep's clothing. So we'll see what Boris does in the future. I don't know how long his future will be, but because there's a lot of Tories that aren't super happy with him right now. So anyway, uh, that's it for Europe. And uh, let's finish this 
first segment and move right on to segment two. And on to segment two. Indeed, let's wrap up the market. Should be able to wrap this up pretty fast. The uh, Dow, let's start with the Dow, the stock market, is uh, ended up at 34528 That's up about 200 points for the week over the previous week. Now, what's interesting is if you follow the Dow during the week, it, it kind of went up, 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 but it only ended up 200 points. So it was kind of a funny week. It is uh, clearly going sideways. I, that's There's no new highs or anything else. That'd be near to the 35,000 mark. So it's it's not even near a new high right now. It's kind of acting strange, just sideways. It's definitely a sideways move. Okay, uh, how about the 10-year bond? 1.581, down slightly from the 1.632. So it is, uh, right now I declare that the interest rates of the 10-year bond are going sideways. They're in a clear uh, trend of sideways. Not up, not down, but sideways. Uh, so I'm not worried about uh, that as much anymore because it's been going up and down inside this little channel of prices or interest rates for enough time to say it's going sideways. The U.S. dollar went down uh, a little bit against the euro to 121.94. Uh, a lot against the euro at 4.4189 and uh, a lot against the yen, 109.8. So um, clearly a down for the dollar. Do dollars continuing its fall. It is a, uh, clearly in a downtrend. Oil, 66.83, up from 63.88. So that's up a major three bucks. And uh, yeah, it's back into the, uh-oh, um, here comes inflation, possibly. We need to watch it more, but it's, it's, it's uh, a little on the high side. And gold. Uh, at finished the week at 1904. The previous week was 1882. That's up 22 bucks every week. It's been up, 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 up. Keeps going. It's up 1.2 percent this last week. And um, and uh, one of the things that's kind of interesting is that Bitcoin fell off significantly this last week. And I believe a lot of the money came from Bitcoin went into gold. That helped push it up. I expected gold to possibly have fallen this last week down to the 1800 level until the and then bounce back up, but it did not. So, so be it. That's uh, it is now closed above 1900. I think it's on its way to test new highs. Uh, it's in the 1900. I, I suspect it's going to go up this next week, but hey, I'm usually wrong about these things. But so don't take my word on anything. We'll see. But gold has been really strong, really, really strong. That's it for this segment. And on to segment number three, the tidbits. Little fun things which you should know. The first one is for you definitely should know, and that is that real in U U.S. interest rates, that is the uh, interest rate minus inflation, that's what real means, uh, is uh, a, at approximately minus 3%. Real interest is minus 3%. And uh, we're not the only people seeing that, and the whole world is seeing what's happening with inflation. It's going higher. That's what's causing this. And what that means is uh, you could basically say foreigners don't want dollars, so the dollar will fall. So this is a predictor. This is a precursor, and a predictor, precursor for sure, of a falling dollar. 
Now, what else is in this? How about a carbon footprint? What if you wanted to remove, reduce your carbon footprint and you're an average person? What would you say you would do? Why, you would recycle, wouldn't you? That's the first thing people do. They recycle. We had a long discussion last night at a party I was at about recycling. It's very interesting. However, did you know that the thing that you could do to reduce the carbon footprint, the very most, the very, very most, is to have one less, one less child. That is the one of the most disgusting things I've ever heard that was in a survey I was reading. That if you have one less child, it's 50 times less carbon than all the other reductions you could possibly make. I mean, it overwhelms everything else. I mean, it's... Uh, why in the world would anybody even consider that? It is so disgusting. Okay, moving right along. Ah, uh, this is an interesting one. This is a historic perspective. Let's look at the Dow Jones. That's the uh, stock market. Since 1901, that's a long time, over 100 years. <clears throat> How much time has the Dow Jones been going up? How much time has it been going down? How much time has it been recovering from going down? Those kind of things. Well, here are the statistics. 26% of the time, the Dow Jones is making money. It's going up. It's in positive and going more positive territory. 26%. 41% of the time, the Dow Jones is going up, but it's recovering from a previous loss. In other words, it's just getting back to where it was 41% of the time. And 33% of the time, it's going down. Those three percentages add up to 100% for those mathematicians in the crowd. Now, so what that says is, it's going up and making money 26% of the time, and 33% of the time, it's going down and losing money. And 41%, uh, it's just recovering, unless you happen to buy at the bottom, in which case you're a real great investor. That's it for the tidbits. I hope you appreciated that last one. Remember that it's important for investing purposes. Be talking to you. And on to segment number four, let's talk about the future of the U.S. dollar and set the scene for what, where is the U.S. dollar going possibly and, and why? Okay, well, let's, let's, let's start with what is the standard portfolio of an investor in the United States look like today? And, uh, even though, though I've warned against it a lot in the past, it is the 60-40 portfolio. It's 60% stocks, 40% bonds is still the standard portfolio. Well, stocks, as you know, and I beat to death, are overpriced today and continue to be over overpriced. I mean, grotesquely overpriced is the best way to put it. And bonds have, overall, Negative real returns are what happening with bonds right now. Not a good place to be invested. Okay, well, not only that, let's look at what's happening with companies. What are happening with the earnings of companies? And let's look at the S&P 500 companies. That's, that's pretty good indication. Those are the big ones, all the big ones, okay? And that is the earnings are negative. And uh, it's the first time they've been negative in over 40 years. That's right now. The earnings, the average earnings of the average S&P 500 company is negative, is negative. 
And that's real. That's that is absolutely real today. So what are what are negative real uh, earnings mean? And real, remember, minus in, uh, inflation, right? You know, you get, say, what if you're a company, you're making money, but you're losing money on inflation? What what's the future look like? It looks awful. So you have to fix the problem. You need positive real income, real earnings. Okay, and earnings are income minus expenses. So you either increase your income or you reduce your expenses. And uh, how do you in increase your income? Well, you can get new customers or you can raise your prices. Well, ignore the new customer part. Raising prices, inflation. This is an indicator that inflation is companies coming because companies are going to raise the prices of their products because they have negative real earnings right now. That's a fact. Uh, they're not going to cut costs in a recession when it's hard to find an employee. They're not going to cut costs by usually they cut people, right? So it's inflation. That all means inflation. That's a new piece of information I haven't given you in the past. That they're, the S&P 500 companies, on average, has negative real earnings. Big deal. And the logic says that points to inflation coming. Another big pointer to inflation coming from those companies directly. So what's the Fed doing right now? Well, remember that we have a strong economy. That means our GDP is now where it was pre-COVID and growing. Our GDP is super strong. Even though we have a, a big group of people that are unemployed, and that means that there's a... In my mind, the GDP is going to get stronger when those people become employed. So uh, the unemployment is a tragic thing. But from a GDP viewpoint, an actual money viewpoint, we have a strong, strong economy right now. But the Fed is doubling down and pushing the economy with low rates, right? It's acting as if the economy is weak. That's what the Fed is doing right now. Well, what does that mean? What? what? So... Another question, why is the Fed buying $40 billion a month worth of mortgage-backed securities when we have a housing shortage? There's not enough houses for sale out there. Prices of houses are going up. Well, and they're buying $40 billion a month of mortgage-backed securities. What that's doing is keeping mortgage rates low, very purposely, very consciously. These are smart people at the Fed. They're doing this consciously. They're keeping interest rates low, like the Fed funds rate. They're keeping mortgage rates low through mortgage-backed security purchases. Ah, they've also said they're not going to raise interest rates until 2023. But the recession is over. We're done. We are not in a recession. Our GDP is back. We are not in a recession. So what's going on with the Fed? That's just a question. I'm not going to answer that question. But that is the environment that we're in right now. Now let's look at foreigners, which now we're going to get to the interest rate, or not the interest rate, the exchange rates on the U.S. dollar, the value of the U.S. dollar. We didn't know it until much later, but back in March of last year when we were going through our major crisis, a crash of the market, and, and we were adding money to the U.S. economy like anybody, we had the CARES Act, multi-trillion dollar spending, foreign Foreigners, foreign nations, foreign people started selling treasuries. And what did they sell then? One trillion dollars worth of U.S. treasuries. 
and they have continued to sell treasuries since then. What that says is the foreigners, non-Americans, foreigners have given up on the U.S. treasuries as being a great place to put money. Why? Because the U.S. is printing so much money. It's obvious to them they're getting rid of their bonds now. Why would they want to hold dollar-denominated things when the future of the dollar is going to be less? So foreigners are not going to buy, be holding U.S. Treasuries in the future. And what does that really foreshadow? I believe it foreshadows that the U.S. is going to lose its reserve currency status sometime in the future. Yeah, maybe 10, 20 years from now. A long time, but it's... And that will be a... We won't talk about all the ramifications of what that means, but it's massive. Just believe me, it's massive. And it just makes things worse for the United States. Not good. So, foreigners are selling U.S. Treasuries. So, that's interesting. The Fed is buying U.S. Treasuries. They're counterbalancing it. This could be one of the reasons why the Fed is continuing to buy Treasuries. They're buying $80 billion worth of Treasuries every single month. As well as the Treasuries just printing them like they're... It's paper, which it is. But uh, stocks are going up. And foreigners are buying stocks and buying corporate bonds. So money's still flowing in the United States. So the exchange rate has not fallen off the cliff yet. So right now, foreigners are buying stocks and uh, corporate bonds and selling treasuries. And that's kind of balancing each other. The money out, the money in for U.S. dollars by foreigners is kind of balanced right now. That's where it stands. What happens if the market crashes? Have you asked yourself that question? Foreigners will sell their stocks and their corporate bonds. Yes, they will. And there will be a massive negative outflow of U.S. dollars from the United States. And, end result, here comes the weak dollar. So, this is a new piece of information, I believe. And the new piece of information is foreigners sold their treasuries last year. And it's just come out recently in, uh, in, into the public knowledge as uh, the Fed publishes all of its data. So what that means is in the future sometime when foreigners stops buying U.S. equities and bonds, you know, I mean, not, not treasury bonds, because which they don't want, but corporate bonds are still okay for them. Um, when they stop that, and I'm saying because of a market crash, that will be the beginning of a fall in the U.S. dollar and, therefore, a cause for inflation uh, of purchased goods by Americans. That's it for this segment. Hope you enjoyed that. Let's move on to the end. And on to segment five. That's the six precursors to a market crash. And... Let's see what happened this last week. First precursor is the 10-year Treasury bond. I'm looking for a uh, an increased increase uh, increased interest rate, which is 1.581. It's actually fell a little bit. I think right now, as I said before, uh, the 10-year is going it's an, in a sideways trend, and I, it'll let's. I'm going to keep that, which means I'm not worried about it at all right now. It's not too great. 
it's a green light. It's not going to cause any crashes. If it fell, if it, if it increased a lot, then Fed would change his policy and that would cause a market crash. That's why I, I look at this one at all. The second one, the high yield bonds, which are a precursor, they fall before stocks fall. They actually, and I'm looking for the value of these things, they fall in value. The uh, It went up slightly from 9 to 9.03. It's a pretty significant move up. Uh, that means that the stock market's safe. Everybody's safe. Everybody's happy. Another green light. And if this one fell down, maybe to 8.5, I would say, uh, I would sell everything <laughs> on stocks because it's coming. But uh, it didn't. So don't worry. Third precursor are, uh, is the U.S. dollar. I'm looking for a weakening U.S. dollar. And indeed, it is weakening. It is. It isn't to the weak part, but it's getting weaker ever so much at both the yen, the pound, those have gone down four or five weeks in a row. The, um, the euro is uh, held pretty steady, but is, is an indefinite downward trend. That kind of tells me that the euro is also kind of weak in its own way, right? Uh, but they haven't really fallen off a cliff. But I gave in today's uh, podcast, I've given you a lot of reasons why the future is going to hold inflation. And... Uh, and if that's the case, that means a weaker dollar. People will start pushing the dollar down for that reason, too. This is the, All the markets are interconnected, like a big umbilical cord connecting them all. Uh, a change in one affects a change in all. Worth knowing that, too, that there's no independent markets out there. The fifth precursor I have is any change in the federal Fed policies. And uh, the Fed's been out talking a lot, and but they have not changed their policy at all. Not at all. Not even a little bit. They're, like I said, doubling down. They're going forward with uh, what I consider a crazy policy in a very strong economy. Uh, you really have to ask yourself a question, why? What are they so worried about? Yeah, so... Oh, well, uh, but no problem with number five. Oh, I forgot number four. Did I tell you I forget number four? That's the one that is. That's a problem. It's called the uh, the Consumer Price Index. It is, you know, it, April was the last one. I'm waiting for May to come out. It'll be coming out in, uh, oh, in about two or three weeks. Um, and I expect a big high number, but this one is red in my mind. The in CPI was 4.2%. That's really high. And everybody's talking about inflation. I'm talking about inflation. Uh, the CPI is the measure of your and my inflation as consumer. Uh, so that's a big one. It's red. It's flashing red. It is a bad deal. It's not going to cause a crash by itself. But over time, it will push so many things uh, in the wrong direction that it will cause a crash. So um, this one's red. It's, it's creating the condition for bad stuff. The Fed's not worried. I mean, it's worth knowing that. And the last one is a bluebird, the sixth one, a bluebird. Anything that happens out there that might cause a market crash. There was nothing, not even that airplane over Belarus. That was a ho-hum in my mind, but so it wasn't going to cause a national, international incident like a war. So, uh, no, nothing there. And with that, I wish you a great, great weekend. Enjoy it, celebrate it, have fun. Bye. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to hit that subscription button. This is Tom Harvey. 
I'm an investor and not a financial advisor. Nothing should be construed as advice or solicitation to make a trade in any market. And I disclaim any responsibility for any negative effect of decisions made by the listeners.